Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Vibe podcast. My name is Afro Mansour and I am the deputy editor of the Muslim Vibe. Today I am joined by Salim Qasim, the chief editor of the Muslim Vibe, Faduma Hassan, who works for Momentum, a grassroots campaign for backing Corbyn, and Naz Shah, a British politician and a member of parliament for the constituency of Bradford West. Assalamu alaikum, all of you. It's great to have you guys here today. Now, today's topic is um, quite heavy, just because I think a lot of us don't actually bother to get involved. Um, It's politics. Um, People probably think straight away of of old white men when it comes to politics. (laughs) Now, um, the people around the table here today um, definitely don't suggest old white men. So um, hopefully we're going to talk a bit more about that. So Naz, could you tell us a bit more about yourself, please? (laughs) Um, okay, so um, I'm a Muslim woman from Bradford, and I'm a mother of three, and I came into politics in 2015. Um, my election was um, quite interesting because I beat George Galloway. Uh, so, oh, yes. yeah, and, um, <laughs> the first Muslim woman and the only, only Muslim woman uh, in uh, Parliament in the whole of Yorkshire and Humber, and the first one to ever have held my seat, first woman, let alone a Muslim woman. So, yeah. C- can I ask um, what, why you decided to get into politics? Um, I'm the accidental politician, really. So I'm the um, the activist turned politician, and uh, somebody challenged me, and um, because I was complaining about politics, and they said, "Well, put your money where your mouth is," because I thought politics was very broken, very diff- uh, very um, male uh, dominated, and a dirty game. And he said, "Well, if you're not going to get in it, how are you going to clean it up?" And that was um, the challenge to me. And less than a year later, I was elected. Um, but I'm also a member of a Home Affairs Select Committee, so it's an elected position, uh, one of the most powerful select committees in Parliament. I'm also, alhamdulillah, I'm also a, mem- a joint chair of the Islamophobia All-Party Parliamentary Group, the APPG. I'm the vice chair of the um, APPG on social integration as well. So, um, in addition to being my local MP. And the mother of three as well. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. And same question to you, Faduma. How is it that you kind of got yourself into the world of politics slash activism, whatever it is you want to call it? Well, I've always sort of been really interested in politics. I think it was just, I would say, just a, a personal interest, just following the news. Like, I think Muslims tend to be generally quite political even if they're not activists they are political in some way or the other because of just generally like you know what's ha- maybe happening in there having al jazeera on in the background al jazeera of, exactly <laughs> like you know things that are happening back home etc so i've always been interested and i think in school i was always like uh, the loud mouth would know we went to school <laughs> together <laughs> but i think what's interesting though is that you know we, we as as uh, minority communities in the uk have a big interest in what's going on back home mm. um, but both of you have obviously engaged on a on a UK level and I think at, at the heart of UK politics both of you are, are there um, and and that's quite different uh, you don't see that very often as as Naz mentioned she's the only Muslim female MP I think not you're not the only Muslim MP right no, so we have 13 Muslim MPs in the House of okay. Parliament out of 650 yeah. um, of them we have 10 of them are in the Labour Party um, three, one with the SNP, um, Dasmino Amatrich, and then we have um, two, uh, Nuzgani and uh, Raymond Chisti in the Tory party. And then the rest of them, uh, so we have um, three of Bangladeshi heritage, um, so we have Rupa Haq. Um, the the, the, the only been so many, and um, we know it, we know each other, Narishnara <laughs> and Tulip Sadiq. And then we have two guys, um, who is um, Halid Mahmood from Peribar and Imran Hussain, who's my colleague in Bradford East. 
and there's myself and Shabana Mahmood. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, there's not many of us, and uh, Yasmin Gureshi from Bolton. And there you have it, that's a job lot. So there's only a few of us in, um, as um, M- MPs mm-hmm. um, in Parliament. Yeah, very, very few. And I'm the only female in the whole of Yorkshire and Humber. Power to you. <laughs> well, um, since we're talking about women in politics, um, I was looking at the stats for women in Parliament. So there are currently 195, 195 female MPs out of those 650 that you mentioned. Um, so do you feel like this country is still inherently sexist when it comes to politics or is it just that women tend to not get involved in your opinion? I'm guessing I'm not allowed to speak at all in this. No, you're not allowed to speak. <laughs> I'll, I'll just be quiet for um, the next no 10 minutes. Yeah, guys take over. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're certainly not representative of women and we're certainly not representative of the communities that we serve in terms of demo, in terms of gender balance, in terms of heritage, in terms of ethnicity. And we've got a long way to go. I mean, you've got to remember in this country, women only had the right to vote um, less than 100 years ago. And then we've uh, had our first parliamentarian in, um, in, you know, not not that long ago, really, 70 70 years ago, 80 even. Um, But we've not had, um, we're not representative of the communities that we serve. We definitely don't have a gender balance. So you can imagine how difficult it is trying to get the, the rest of a balance in Parliament. Mm. I think being a woman in politics is hard, whether you're an activist or I can imagine, I mean, Nas, like even coming into the position she's in had has faced lots of sexism. Like myself, you know, you go to meetings, etc. People are happy. Oh, they're like, oh, yeah, the token woman is here. That ticks us up. You know, we tick that box. But in terms of actually empowering women or giving women that voice, it is really difficult. And obviously, if you have a other you know barriers like being a black woman or being a muslim woman etc obviously those are also extra barriers that you face um there is this uh (laughs) sense of almost as if like oh you're a woman like you know we we do want you around but like you know you will also probably be perhaps be a mother or like you have other you know uh things that you face so you won't, you know, you're not like her, the the person really that will put all our uh, hopes on. You know, there'll mm. be another man that is fairly mediocre, but because he perhaps has the loudest voice, he'll be more likely to uh, to get those positions of power. I think speaking of, of men and loud voices, I, I do have to ask the question, uh, George <laughs> Galloway, Naz, that must have been a, a very interesting uh, campaign that you ran. And it, it, I, I mean, you know, Bradford is... Typically, I don't know how to put it. I think we'll just call it Bradford. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very sort of uh, Muslim, conservative, uh, I guess, Indo-Pak culture type city, um, often, you know, endearingly known as Bradistan. And uh, yeah, could you just tell me a little bit about all of that? I mean, that must have been crazy for you. Okay, so I had the um, dirtiest, up, up until my campaign, of course, I think Sadiq Khan's has topped it since, um, <laughs> I had the dirtiest gutter, political, gutter politics campaign in political history that Great Britain has seen. Um, I The misogyny that I had, the um, and the internal, because I had two, I was fighting two battles in Bradford West. One was I was fighting George Galloway, but the other one, which was a bigger battle in the background, was actually fighting Bradley politics. So the mantra that um, George Galloway came in on was that he was going to break the back of Bradley politics, and uh, meaning clan politics, where people um, uh, male-dominated Pakistani type of politics, which is inherently just about power and for the sake of power, not about, not based on political ideology, not based on any of that, and. Um, 
and what happened was so I was um, so and then he kind of like if you like um, endorsed the Bradley politics because there were deals done in Bradford um, where you know and, and these are open secrets that people talk about mm. and um, you know there were deals done to maintain his position in Bradford West um, you know and it, it was it was very very tough it was very you know that the mining car became the centre of a campaign from his part you know there was it wasn't about policies he was about whether I had mining car at 15 or 16 um, whether it was forced or not, because my mother was present, it became an issue about forced marriage. Um, it became oh. an issue about uh, me as a person. Um, you know, he, he pulled out my Nama at a Hustings. Um, he this told George me on, on, the, on my channel, he actually told the host to tell me to stop barking. Wow. You know, there was the kind of uh, level of gutter politics, you know. And, and on one hand, you had this, um, his... Um, uh, his team putting up, so he'd have an entourage. He'd have an entourage of ten or fifteen people following him wherever he was, <coughs> and there'd be me and my, um, who now works for me, my senior advisor, him with the rucksack, and his and his people used to actually come up with me. Now, so you're not going to win this election. You and whose army? You've mm. only got one bloke with you with a rucksack, <laughs> and uh, and it was really it was hilarious. And and then it would be like you know you've got no support and. And his bus would park outside my office, twenty, you know, twenty minutes in the morning, twenty minutes in the evening, you know. That was the um, kind of intimidation tactics. It was, it was uh, vile. vile. Has has yeah. politics not gone down this route? I'll ask Faduma this question first. I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about Sadiq Khan's campaign, and, mm -hmm. and we saw how how bad that was, and then Jeremy Corbyn and, and what's been happening there. Is this not the direction we're just going in? And also, you know, looking at America as well, this is now direction of world politics. It it has become gutter politics. Fadima? Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree to an extent that there is a, you know, shot tactics, etc. is the way to sort of win in politics, whether, like, you know, what Nas face sounds... Abs it is absolutely horrific and disgusting, but... Mm sadly is not it's not surprising um and i think that is the thing really a lot of people are fed up with like you know with sadiq khan as you mentioned you know you know the, the constant sort of racism islamophobia that was being thrown at him the sexism that uh, nas face is becoming more and more normalized i think and like i said that is what people are fed up with and i think it's our jobs to make sure that actually we don't normalize those things and we do continue to stand up against it and like shame these people and I think Naz I always think Naz is actually a real inspiration because she didn't take you know the rubbish that was being thrown at her and she didn't you know sit quietly which is sort of one of the things that are expected of a, a good Muslim woman and she <laughs> gave it some welly you know and I think that is a that is what we really need to do like put them at the forefront and show you know, the absolute nonsense is not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, talking of being a Muslim woman in politics, um, I'm just going to kind of be a bit sneaky here. Naz, <laughs> um, I know you don't wear the hijab, and it's just mainly out of curiosity, really. Um, do you think that maybe your image would change or if there'd be a bit of backlash if you decided to wear it? I'm just a bit curious because obviously, obviously you don't... I mean, people see you at face value. That's kind of the world that we live in. So mm. how is it that you kind of consolidate the two? Okay, so I think if I, if I'm being really honest, if I was wearing the hijab, I'd be seen very very differently. Um, I don't wear I don't not wear the hijab because of how I'd be seen. That's a personal choice, and mm -hmm. I need to make that really clear. Yeah. However, if I did have that choice, if I did make that choice and that decision, uh, and that would be for me to make, if I was wearing the hijab, it would be, it would be absolutely 
very, very different in how I was perceived and how I was um, seen, I think, because the women in hijab do get, because you're visibly, um, you're visibly Muslim and it's that, in that, it's that sign of the insane, it's identified, you know, it's that, um, whether you want to call it identity politics or whatever, mm. but it does come up, it, it absolutely does come up. Um, I wore the scarf um, on my head when I took the oath in, uh, in Parliament and that was commented upon. Um, and, I, and I remember just having my chadar with me um, because I wanted to cover my head was like, you know, why is she covering her head? So that, that, that did become an issue um, on social media. It wasn't a huge one um, because people then, and I, and I welcomed the debate um, on my Facebook and on my Twitter handle and, and in wider circles that, you know, here's a woman for the first time. Uh, and, and actually, to be fair, the woman who beat me to it was Shabana Mahmood. When she took the oath, she also covered her head um, because you're handling, you know, you're, you're taking the oath on the Quran. And it was the Quran... Um, that um, uh, Sadiq Khan had taken into Parliament and gifted to Parliament, oh. and um, and that's what um, all the Muslim MPs have, have taken their oaths on, and um, so yeah, it did become a topic, and it became a topic of discussion, and I welcomed it because people then had this conversation on Facebook and on Twitter and everything mm. about the uh, about what what it feels, you know, for whether it's important for me, and um, to to wear a head covering. So yeah, oh, no. so it's only ever been done twice in Parliament. And hopefully a third time. I'm going to ask the same question to Faduma because I have high hopes. I mean, growing up with Faduma, I, I, I've seen her go from like, uh, you know, the person in school who's the loudmouth to someone who's actively made. Uh, this is really horrible. If everyone's listening. I really do love her. I really do. This sounds horrible. <laughs> Hard wish. No, I know. There is, there is love there. What I meant is that it, it's crazy to see how you can go from like a youth to someone who's actively making a change in society. And that's what I do see with, with Faduma. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question on hijab and then a bit more about youth and politics. But how about the hijab for yourself? Have you faced any issues, difficulties? I wouldn't say I've faced issues, but mm. I think there is very much... Um, when you open your mouth as a hijabi woman and like you know in all honesty lots of people that i do work with are lots of white men and they are surprised that you have an opinion sometimes <laughs> they're like oh the hijabi girl like this black woman with a hijab oh has a lot to say and has lots of opinions and she's challenging you um and i think that is quite hard for some men and women to take sometimes it, mm. it, and i've had lots of comments of like oh you're very different to what I uh, expected um, and that kind of thing. And I think I, I'm always confused by that statement. Like, what do you mean I'm different to what you expected? What does that mean? You just have basically you have lots of stereotypes about a hijabi yeah. and you thought that, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll be like too meek and my, I don't know. I don't think I've ever <laughs> too been... Too mild for conversation. <laughs> too mild for co any conversations. So. I think that the, the problem that uh, women face is, is one thing, but then you've got ethnic women who are also Muslim and, and both of you I guess I, I do have to applaud you for for kind of going out there and, and facing the big bad world in politics but I do want to ask what kind of reception you've had at home within our own community within you you know within your communities uh, I'm sure Naz as she mentioned earlier has had issues in Bradford with whatever else and you know we have very sort of patriarchal male driven communities and and uh, mosques and whatever else how how do people take that and do you guys engage at, at at a sort of community political level at all i it's been quite weird actually um i haven't had much um backlash really from like so i'm somali that's my background uh, i haven't had much backlash in terms of that um 
I've done some t uh, like TV interviews and stuff, and people are like, "Oh, I saw you there. It was a bit weird." Oh, like you know, it's sort of like more of um, you know, like a hinted comment that you shouldn't mm. really be there at that stage. But, but no, no one actually one, says it. <laughs> no one actually says it. So I I sense that they're not happy, but they haven't said it to my face. Therefore, I haven't really challenged it. And um, but like alhamdulillah, like my parents are very supportive. They they sometimes they don't quite get it, but they just like just stay out of trouble. And um, <laughs> and, and yeah, they're fairly happy. Alhamdulillah. Uh, nice. um, in, in terms of mine, I've had lots and lots of backlash, and I continue to get. There's still the remnants of um, Galloway, who, which is mm. Bradford, and we did have eight thousand people that voted for George Galloway. I think um, my my work is winning hearts and minds because um, what's happening is because as, as a Muslim woman, the majority of people that did vote Galloway were Muslim in Bradford and because I've, I've raised so many issues as uh, Muslim issues in terms of prevent, in terms of um, Quilliam, in terms of Inspire, in terms of Henry Jackson Society, Islamophobia and um, in more in terms of culturally speaking, I've raised lots of issues around Silver Samia Shahid, honour killing, I've mm. done that in Bradford. And that's really, really, uh, and I am pretty loud um, in Bradford, and I'm very, very outspoken. So I think um, people, the people who were uh, my critics or sceptics have kind of like, I'm kind of winning them over from what I get, from the feedback and the messages that I get is like, you know, I, I doubted you. And I remember one person, because I uh, my last PMQ were, yesterday was very much about Bradford and education and um and education and um, transport, but the week before, um, I, I bobbed for, uh, I tried bobbing the week before, because in, in Prime Minister's questions, if your name isn't, it's literally like a lottery ticket, so you get drawn out of a hat, um, you get uh, you get drawn out of a ballot, and sometimes you might not get a PMQ in a whole year, mm -hmm. and then sometimes you might just get two in, in less than two weeks or three weeks, and, um, and if you don't, and if you really want to ask a question in Prime Minister's questions, you have to bob in between questions, and you might get getting you might not and last week I managed to get in on the Rohingya crisis mm, wow. and when I asked the question in Parliament of what's happening um, it really really people actually said we were actually impressed because people had been emailing me and inboxing me about um, Rohingya and the crisis that was going on in the world is turning mm. a blind eye mm. so there are times when you know people who and, and I remember somebody screenshotting it and saying wow this was one of your worst critics and he's is now accepting that you're a good MP and you represented his views. Made it You get that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I think that's actually quite interesting because you're right, uh, you know, the, the crisis in Burma is something that I think even the Muslim world have completely just forgotten about. Uh, yeah. It's not as glamorous, unfortunately, I think, as, as some of the other causes. And so it, it has been left by the wayside. And I think that's, that's great. And so uh, with that, actually, I do have one final question before we move on to youth in politics. Uh, all the emails that you get from your constituents, how does it work in terms of you wanting to get across your own point of view and you representing your people? Do you just entirely represent your people or do you pick your causes? No, we, we have to be. If we if we um, represented every single cause in the constituent, we'd never be able to be able to. So you either apply yourself thinly or you do something. So if you've got five pounds, the way I look at it, you can either spend one pound or buy that or split it into two pounds fifty twice and do something really big and solid. And then you have more pounds to spend elsewhere kind of thing. So you build your reputation solidly on a few issues. The few yeah. issues that are really, really close to me right now, one is the honour crimes 
um, because I had a murder of one of my constituents in Pakistan, and that was pretty um, uh, unprecedented, the kind of stuff that's happened as a result of that, because there is this culture where you, you can take a girl to Pakistan or a boy and get rid of them or murder somebody and, and, and nothing will come of it. So in that one, although the father was given bail um, earlier today, um, that's, that's, I see that as a bit of a setback. However, we've still got her ex-husband in custody and we've still sent a really loud, clear message um, around that. Um, one of my, you know, there's this question about, as a Muslim woman, you know, um, so I'm on the Home Affairs Select Committee, so naturally extremism, radicalisation, prevent, all of it falls under policing and home affairs. So I have two hats. One is from a, my constituency perspective um, and one is from my uh, national role on the home affairs. And in that respect, I'm very, so the issue of extremism, counter-terrorism, all of that, I've, I'm really, really passionate about. Um, so those are the national kind of things that I'm working on. Mm. But locally, it, it has to be education. So, so next year's plan, if you like, for me, is very much about, you know, being the being the Bradfordcate um, for Bradford and actually, you know, being, um, you know, selling Bradford and, and having, because we've got Tordy Yorkshire, um, which is coming and setting off, one of the phases is in my constituency, setting off in my constituency. So there's those local Brad Factor things that we're trying to do in Bradford because Bradford is a Bradford is a magnificent, magnificent city, but we just don't get we've not we've not we're not on the front foot with it in terms of the marketing of uh, Bradford as a city. So I think there's a lot of that work to be done. So that's going to be one of my key focuses for next year, inshallah. Inshallah. And talking, I mean, you've you've spoken about education. Now, my I'm going to kind of direct us straight into the question about youth and politics. Um, I mean. I'm going to ask Fadouma this first, actually. Is is the British political system designed for the youth or is it for just the old people, so to speak? As in getting, in terms of getting involved? Getting involved, getting into politics, the interest, etc. I think... I, I'm not quite sure how to answer that, to be honest. I think y- you can get involved in politics at whatever age. If anything, like, you probably have more time and, you know, energy, etc. Mm-hmm. when you're younger to get involved. Um, obviously, when it comes to positions of power, if we're talking about like you know being an MP, etc., I think the average age is about like in the fifties. I would assume. Oh, I was going to go for thirties. Wow. <laughs> well, no, I, Naz, am I right to think that it's MP average age is probably in the fifties? Yes, they, I was um, when I was um, wanted to be an MP. When I when I said somebody said to me, "Oh, you need to, um, you know, why don't you become a politician?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And they said, "Well, you look a bit young." And I said, um, and they, about 30, 35, under 35, and I said, actually, I'm 40, I just scrub up good, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was, um, you need to be at least in your 40s was yeah. the kind of response that you get, and politics, I, I agree with Faduma, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think, obviously, in terms of those positions of power, like, it tends to be white men in their 50s um, that have made it, and, you know, etc., and, you know, they've gone to, you know, a private school, and, you know, then they worked in the city or they were a high-flying lawyer and then they end up in parliament in some safe seat that they've been flied into nonetheless i do think that 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 sort of that norms is changing Mm. um and in terms of being active i think the most important thing really to me is not about really actually like of course we need people like nows we need like the sadiq khans and so on and more like muslim mps in um in, in places of power whether it is at the houses of parliament or elsewhere but more importantly, I think actually it's within everyone to be involved in the local communities. Like mm. politics to me isn't just doesn't just happen in Downing Street or in Parliament. It happens everywhere. Politics is life, wh- whether you like it or not. 
and being active can mean lots of different things whether it's like I know like for example Afrah you're involved in your local mosques and that kind of stuff yeah. to me that is activism you know whether you are doing your local library sessions or an after school club or you're involved in you know a, a demonstration all of these different forms are activism in one way or the other and I think that is to me that's more important in that representation in community in general um, and showing that and I think that can be accessible to all of us of course it can be um, time consuming etc but you can set aside some time uh, to it hopefully in your life and be, make it something that's part of your life rather than oh this is activism that I'm doing it can mm. be just you know like I was yeah. saying like I go to the mosque my mosque also runs a food bank therefore that's my activism that's me giving back to my community that's my form of politics because you know, the state that we're in, the reason that you're running a food bank is very political reason because yeah. the government yeah. are making loads of costs. Da, 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 da. So I think that is how I sort of see it. I think activism and politics is for everyone. Naz, how would you encourage younger people to get involved with politics at all levels? So, you know, from community up to becoming an MP? Um, I think, uh, first of all, can I just respond to a couple of points that Fadum has made? Yeah, Unfortunately, politics is very London-centric, mm. um, and that's uh, the nature of how politics, but it, ha- but it is evolving, and I'm pleased to see that. And one of the things I just want to share with you is I used to hate the word being called a politician because post the banking, post the um, political MPs' expenses, um, politics, politicians used to have a respect until then, and then that kind of like went out of the window. So if you said your politics, it's like saying... No, you're you're automatically a bad person. Mm. And I used to say, oh, I'm not a politician. And somebody pointed out to me, they said, actually, being a politician is about what you stand for and what your politics are. And if if you stand for something, then you are political. You're you're a politician. Whether you're an elected politician or whether you're just a a community politician, the fact is you are politically engaged. So the minute you stand for something... Absolutely. Whether that's against austerity, whether that's about young people having equal opportunities in, in education, whether no matter which way it is, you then are politically active. So I would say all activism is is inherently political, and it's uh, and and at the heart of it is, is driven by politics. Absolutely. Um, so for that reason, to encourage people into politics, um, I would say with young people is literally starting within their schools. I think we need to engage young people in politics much younger, mm. um, in literally in schools at a younger age. So yes, you've got these you've got your prefects and your school councils and your in some schools, but I think there's a conversation to be had even before that because ultimately the decisions that are made in Westminster impact on those schools about what kind of exams you do, um, how the what the curriculum is, what how it's shaped, and that impacts on you, on your life and um, as you're going through and the more uh, politically engaged young people are and they become part of the solutions because one of my core fundamental values is that you know I, I feel there's two things I'm passionate about one is community development and one is leadership and I feel communities have their own solutions and what politics hasn't done is empowered people to come up with them solutions so we look to the councils and the governments for responses but actually we can influence them responses and because we've never empowered we don't have that empowerment of young people empowerment of them of communities so that has to change but for me as a a labor mp i would really really say young people need to look into um getting getting debates in into their local schools debating issues, debating, you know, inviting their MPs and their councillors into debate with them and ask them mm-hmm. questions, hold people to account, and then you'll get a flavour of what it is like. And then, Because politics is about making change, and I don't know a young person who doesn't want to make a change and, you know, exactly. make the world a better place, because the beauty of young people 
is you know you have unlike um, adults and, and when you get to my age you, you have some conditioning you have things to unlearn mm. because of your experiences whereas children and um, children are just so innocent and so pure that we can influence younger minds and because they 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 have more common sense in some in some cases because they just say it as it is you know they're just they're just honest mm. they're not conditioned the like thing is, the thing as, is, as adults are in life you mentioned uh, kids are innocent and pure do you really want to be polluting them with politics at such a young age <laughs> let, let them let them enjoy life but i think but actually like politics does give people like skills like life skills yeah and yeah, actually absolutely. i think i really agree with what naz was saying there but yes we should encourage kids to uh, be involved in debate etc but at the same time i think it is upon all of us to also create those spaces for them yeah. and absolutely. teach them those skills like debating someone is not easy like you know so like actually teaching them and like that balanced ideas and researching ideas and that kind of stuff and encouraging that kind of um that's uh, what's the word critical thinking is really important yeah, yeah for sure definitely. there's there's another thing i i did pick up on that you mentioned i don't know we, we definitely don't have time because it's a much wider <laughs> debate about uh engaging youth in politics and you know f- for me i grew up and my first uh, vote went to the lib dems in you know when the lib dems had a chance and obviously what we saw off the back of that was the coalition formed with the Tory party, which was the, which, which was the one party I didn't want to come in. And, and you know, I remember at, at, during that election cycle, loads of youth and first-time voters and people, you know, really got involved and galvanised. But I feel like, you know, unfortunately, democracy failed them and, and I guess I could say us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the problem I have. I mean, with our sort of democratic structure in itself, and as I said, we... I'm not going to give either of you a chance to respond <laughs> simply because, simply because it, it literally we, we should just book another. Straight after we finish this, let's book another time, and we can talk about democracy and and you know how it works and if it works and and whatever else. Happy but, to debate that. Yeah, no, it, 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 let, let's definitely do that. Naz, if you're free as well, we can definitely pencil you in Absolutely. for another. Okay, good. I think everyone's in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Thank you both so much for joining us. It's it's been a privilege and an honour. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. We look forward to your thoughts and feedback and hopefully some suggestions for our next topics. You can do so by emailing us on editor at themuslimvibe.com. Don't forget to connect on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribing to our podcast, of course. Until next time, Salaamu Alaikum.